Hey guys, welcome back to Mindy the Podcast. Yes, welcome back. We have another amazing interview for you guys. Yes, it is amazing. We had so much fun. It was an interview with the incredible Sonali Dave. Yes, the author of The Vibrant Years. Which is the first pick for Mindy's book studio, which is an imprint of Amazon Studios. And it's also the first pick of our new segment, which is called Mindy's Book Club. We're going to use this opportunity to highlight a lot of great books that are either books from Mindy's Book Studio or books that she's written herself. So get excited. Yes. Make sure you have your Amazon account ready or your Barnes & Noble card ready to go. So that way you're up to date on all of our book picks. Yes. No, this is a great book to kick off our book club and i think this is why mindy picked it as her first book to actually put out i think so too it was a really good read i enjoyed reading it so it's really exciting that we have this privilege and opportunity to speak with someone who has written this incredible book and has this great connection with our girl mindy yes this is going to be a really great segment one because it's getting me to read books Always good. And two, because we get to interview some amazing authors and also find out a little bit about them. Also, it's a great opportunity for us to review some books, too, because honestly, some of the best Mindy books, we got to talk all about it, right? Yeah, no. So sit back because we have a great episode for you guys this week. So we just want to give you a little heads up that there are a couple points in this interview where the audio gets a little funky. So we're really sorry about that, but we hope you enjoy the overall interview. <laughs> so I'm Kenz. Okay. And I'm okay. Lee. <laughs> okay, great. Hi, and I'm Sonali. So who is Mindy? <laughs> <laughs> this right? person, I don't know, this random person that we all seem to like and uh, adore. You know, have a lot of respect for. <laughs> a little bit of a trailblazer maybe, right? <laughs> yeah, so this because I always thought this was someone named Mindy doing a podcast with <laughs> someone named Mindy. So no, sorry. Yes. So our whole podcast is really about uplifting the voices that surround Mindy, that she has uplifted herself, and also just like talking about like her shows and the things that she's created. Because not only are we fans, but we just see how her work has really impacted so many people in different ways. So we kind of wanted to highlight that, especially because we're just such big fans. And also just I, reliving perfect. TV shows. Yeah. No, perfect. That's perfect because I think that, you know, all of that. I agree. Ditto. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, are you okay if we kind of just get right into it, get started? Absolutely, yes. Perfect. Oh, great. Well, we know you just got back from traveling. Uh, where did you go? Uh, we went to southern Italy um, for the most part. We did spend one day in Rome, but um, otherwise down um, to Sorrento and Capri and the Amalfi and then went to Sicily. Oh, nice. So, Any favorite yeah. parts of the trip? Oh my gosh, every single moment. <laughs> but but maybe cannoli uh, for breakfast. <laughs> oh, for breakfast. <laughs> I was going to say, I did see a lot of your Instagram posts about like food and I was like, oh, you're making me so hungry. <laughs> it was, oh my gosh. I mean, you know, when, when um, I always thought I was a person who didn't, I was like, I don't get the big deal about cannolo. You know, I don't get the big deal about cannoli. What is the big deal? And then I ate one in Italy and I was like, oh, what you <laughs> get in the, in the States is not cannoli. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, oh my gosh, it's, 
And 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 uh, what I love also about um, Italy in particular, but I think a lot of India is like that too, very much is that regionally the food is completely different. You know, the flavors, the amount of sauce, all of that, like what they focus on. So I I love that. Um, and and I think Sicily has the kind of cannoli that I think that's where it originated and it shows. It shows in the cannoli. <laughs> well, and there's like a great show about um, like called From Scratch that kind of talks about Sicily in that way. And it's a it's a romantic, not really comedy, but more of a romance movie or show. Yeah. And I've been it's been on my list when it. Um, so the day. So Attica um, Locke, who is, I think, one of the producers and her sister is the one who wrote the book. Um, yes. I can't I'm not recalling her name. But the, I was at a conference uh, the day From Scratch came out and Attica was doing, um, was doing the keynote. So it was really like a special day that she was doing that keynote on that particular day. And she's a great speaker and just such a wonderful, um, you know, voice who's done this for so long um, out in the, in the dark <laughs> before, before diversity became cool. And yeah, so right. I'm, I'm um, you know, always fascinated to, um, to connect with those voices of people who've been doing this for, for you know, when it was the great uh, dark vacuum or black hole, um, you know, and um, it's, she, she's really amazing. And I was, since then I have been on deadline and I'm, um, you know, put it on hold, and it's it's one of those shows I want to watch with my husband, and so it's I haven't watched it yet, but uh, it's I yeah, it's totally on my list. It's really good, um, very emotional. So I will <laughs> warn you, <laughs> it's emotional. Okay. okay, and I love Zoe Saldana. It's, I was just thinking today about the I'm and I'm going totally off. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh we go off all the because i was in the um in the car and um uh, james cameron was supposed to be on um npr talking about avatar and i was thinking that the thing that i remembered about it is that i think it was one of the first big roles that i saw zoe saldana in and that's the thing that has endured in my head when i think about i'm sure people think about other things um but um she was so great in it so she's that's another thing she was amazing in um, this as well. I mean, it was she did a really wonderful job, and I think She's she even good. learned Italian for it. I mean, it was it was really impressive. Wow, it's a beautiful language, and I think this was this was not our first trip to Italy, but this was the first time that I um, this was you know I went when I was um, nineteen, so when I was a young person, and then I went when I was a young mother. So that's a whole different trip because you know yeah. you're you're being educator, herder you know, shepherd, all of yeah. that. Um, and then this was just, you know, my husband and I as empty nesters now with adults. And so three very different. Uh, and I think I really focused on the language so much more than I ever have before. Mm -hmm. how, how beautiful it is and how tonally, um, you know, it's, it's so tonally rich, which again is kind of a thing that I see with uh, Indian languages. That, and I remember when I went when I was younger with my dad, um, he would just speak in Marathi or Hindi. He was like, they yeah. don't understand English anyway. And we're talking yeah. to them uh, through tone. And they're talking to, uh, to us through tone. And, you know, Marathi and Hindi are also both very um, tonal languages. You use your hands and you use your expressions yes. and, you know, <laughs> sounds. And, and so it used to, I used to think, I mean, he was being funny, but it was also really um, smart. But the tone and the lilt and the musicality of the language has really this time... Um, I've never felt like, oh my gosh, I wish I, you know, I, I, I'd like to learn it. But on this trip, I really felt like it's 
um, that that texture of it and that musicality of it really hit me different this time. And I, um, I, I, yeah, I would love to. So um, I don't, I don't blame her. It's really a beautiful, uh, rich language. Possible location of the next book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I could write off the trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's um, it it is. I mean, there's always something, and I was trying to actually think how I could possibly do that, but we'll see. We'll see. I love that. Um, but we, I mean, you had a really great question about or talking about um, the oh, website. Yeah. Your website. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say on behalf of myself and everyone else who uses the Hindi uh, glossary on your website, thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> It did. I just did. I have to update the website, but I just did. Uh, I mean, I update the glossary, but I did update the website. And I don't know if you've seen it recently, but I used um, pictures from my nephew's wedding. So that entire thing is actual family photographs. Nothing oh, wow. on there is stock. <laughs> and I haven't I haven't really gone out and kind of put that out there because it it took so long uh, for the site to be done. It was a whole saga. But uh, but that is that's all real family pictures in there. I love that. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking about the website, um, what was it like for love? Of, uh, oh, that's right. You were talking about that. Yeah, I want to know, like, uh, is that a passion of your interviewing or? So I did a show almost for two years. Um, yeah, I was almost three yeah, seasons. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and so there was a, there's a, um, there's an antiques bookstore in, uh, in Chicago called, um, Abraham Lincoln <laughs> bookshop <laughs> and um, and it's it's this really um, they, they have a, they have the kind of cool stuff I mean my kids never think anything I do is cool and they came with me a few times to shoot and um, you know I mean there are letters from um, you know historic figures that you know real letters and so they, they actually have a lot of um, pretty precious uh, antique um, book related and um, and word related things in there uh, it's one of those appoint by appointment only, but this this really uh, wonderfully charming little bookstore, and they started to do these, um, you know, because so much so much of their audience and their clientele was older people, who you know mobility was an issue, and so a lot of it happened uh, where they couldn't walk into the store for events. So they built this little studio in the store. And um, and it was you know genre specific. They had one show for nonfic. They had one show for historical mystery, and then they had one for uh, romance and uh, women's fiction called Lit with Love. And I um, you know I was there. Uh, I was it was my show, and it was yeah. so much fun to do because we got to deep dive. We got to pick up a book. Uh, a month and really deep dive into it and uh, I think that was my favorite thing you know instead of just having a um, you know ha having a general conversation we really got into the book and I got to speak with like I got to speak with Julia Quinn and you know yeah. Suzanne Brockman I think Kristen Higgins every like Beverly Jenkins was my first um, and she's the only one I did twice and then the polar vortex came and uh, there was a, you know, the, the entire, basically the studio got destroyed. And uh, and then all of that, um, I kind of stopped doing it, but I do miss it. I loved doing it. It was a lot of work, but it, I loved it. So all will, those episodes are there. Yeah. I will tell you that we had to dwindle down our questions so <laughs> <Yeah>. much <laughs> because we were like, we could go a deep dive into so many of the contexts of this book. I mean, you, you have such oh. a nuance of all of these 
um, themes that you cover and things. And I like literally, I did. I had to be like, okay, we have to prioritize these things. <laughs> like, yes, yes. The whole book was highlighted for her. Yeah, like <laughs> I yes. love it. Amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And and if this podcast gets too long, you can just take off everything we've said thus far, <laughs> and we can talk about the book. No. And no, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep my answers briefer now, so you no, can get into as much of it as you can. No worries. Um, but let me let's really dive into um, this book, though, because you are our December pick for and our first pick for Mindy's book club. Um, and it's the Vibrant Years, a really fabulous book, really multifaceted, like complex female relationships, and I loved it. And I just want to kind of highlight the forward of your book, in which Mindy describes it as more than being just a fun read it also a timely tale about a group of underestimated and underrepresented women demanding respect and embracing their most authentic selves who support and lift each other up through the most difficult times which perfectly exemplifies the spirit of mindy's book studio i mean <laughs> what <laughs> what an introduction and i it makes me so excited for what's to come for the mindy's book studio like that i mean what an honor and um can you kind of talk about that a little bit and that experience? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I wish I had the words, but, but but tonally, you know, your excitement kind of um, touches on it a little bit. Naturally, obviously, um, to me, having this book picked by Mindy, um, as opposed to any other, um, a lot of celebrities are, you know, are, are kind of highlighting books and kind of, it's 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 um it's wonderful but it's trendy right now it's one of um it's it's one of the few ways in which uh, your book can reach really uh, large yeah. audiences and um so so obviously it is um something that authors is at the top of their wish list uh, yes. when we write books because the way that books reach people have it has changed so much you know and between book talk and celebrities those might be uh, your you know your two best bets yes. <laughs> and, um, and and so of course that was and I think when you are uh, it, it's interesting that we're talking about this now uh, you know because this month marks the 10th uh, year so it marks the exact decade it's been one decade since I got my first contract and wow. um, and the world is an entirely publishing is an entirely different business than it was 10 years ago um, you know how um, books that are um, written by and feature people of color you know, the, the whole space dynamic for them is entirely different. Like, I don't even have the words to explain it, but we were all there 10 years ago, so we know. Um, it doesn't really need to be explained, and yet, you know, it, it gets it gets blocked out because we want to, you know, block that sort of stuff out. Right. And fortunately, we're blocking that stuff out much less now. But but having said that, it's a, the challenge of visibility for all books is, you know, is not a small challenge. The challenge for visibility for books that are books uh, that feature people of um, color and written by authors of color, that's a whole multiplying factor that, uh, you know, that there that I don't think you could even put a number on um but that should be obvious and so having said that I actually was in a place where I was you know going what 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 do I need to do you know I have um and I and I don't mean when I say I I actually mean this in terms of a community of writers 
um, you know, and we've all literally been, uh, we have scars on our forehead from banging our head against this wall, <laughs> right? And yes. we've been uh, we've been doing all the things and, and, and this whole idea that you write a good book and I've had an agent 10 years ago look me straight in the eye and say, honey, honey, uh, <laughs> you write a good book and, um, and, you know, people will read it. And uh, the cluelessness of a statement like that, yes. you know, is um, uh, is, is uh, today much more easy to understand. Back then, it was just business. You know, he was doing his job, um, yeah. or he thought uh, he was. <laughs> and um, and so, having said all of that, it it was I was at this place where I was like, come on, you know, uh, someone, <laughs> someone needs to. Uh, this needs to get in the right hands because that felt like the way to then get it into all the hands because um, because the stories themselves you know are are what they are we all put our hearts into it I have never written a story that you know my entire um, everything I am if I can't put it into a story then it doesn't go out and and uh, you know I'm not saying I'm unique in any way but that that you know the, the writing part of it you keep on working at it you know hopefully I have long ways to go and all that but in terms of getting it in the hands of the reader I was at that place where I was like come on yes <laughs> you know and uh, amazingly Mindy was actually on my vision board two years ago <laughs> I, I did see that. I was going to ask you about that because I was like, we need to start putting her on our vision board. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you know, do it because yeah. uh, because intention and everything. And um, it's so, so, and it was more because South Asian stories, because I the texture of her and you, the, this podcast more than any other will absolutely know what I'm talking about. Uh, I have actually analyzed her writing. I think um, some of the most brilliant comedy um, that has come out in the past two decades, I think that, that, that there's a particular texture to the comedy she writes and yes. it manifests as cringe uh, in the funniest, warmest sense, but it's coming from a place of such human vulnerability. Like it's I, what's most ridiculous about all of us, right? It's most ridiculous yeah. about the things people say to us. She is able to pick up that stuff like I think no one can yeah. and she never lets the human and emotional aspect of it go so uh, so, so there's something very real about it and I it, it's as a writer to, to take that to take each sentence to take what the character is doing and why I'm actually feeling her you know mortification to this level or her cluelessness to this level it's really interesting to see how in in minimum office in minimal words right that's why it's such a meme uh you know meme dream is, yeah. <laughs> is is that in in minimal words because of context and because of everything else she is able to really pluck out something that is so absurd about us and um and so i've done a lot of so she specifically has been um you know, and, and South Asian culture is not a monolith, right? So there is yeah. always, um, you know, there are always things that specifically will appeal to you, will appeal to someone, will not. Yes. But but her the basis of her humor and her writing comes from a place of um, the need for us to connect and how yeah. disconnected we sometimes get from ourselves, you know, all of that. Um, and, and so specifically the fact that it was Mindy is it it's so incredibly special and I know that sounds like a cliche 
and I know that you cannot imagine like nobody's going to be picked up by Mindy um, you know or um, or supported by Mindy that won't say those words right so they're expected sure. mm -hmm. but but when I say that her particular work um, for me personally as a writer has been um, you know very inspiring and very definitive and I do absolutely believe that she has changed um, the landscape for um, for authors of color, certainly for South Asian stories, um, for stories about women, you know, of all ages. I, I genuinely believe that. And so to get that call was, you know, um, was just next level. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I actually wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that because I, I heard in another interview you were talking about how you used her work in terms of doing craft work. And I wanted to kind of explore that a little bit more because I'm not as familiar with the idea of craft work, but also just trying to see how like that informed your writing. So exactly what I was saying just now, right? How, okay. how you can crack open a character and really get, um, you know, get inside through minimal words, um, okay. You know, how you can actually do that, that that you hear, uh, you know, that you hear a line like, um, you know, I, 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 I'm totally going to paraphrase this, but, <laughs> okay. um, you know, about the, you know, um, my department, managing my department. And uh, yes. when when they say, but it, your department is just you and her saying, well, I'm. I'm hard to manage. Yes. Come on, right? Yes. That is yes. brilliant, right? What more do you need to know about Kelly? That's that's yes. just um, you know, it's it's so rich in understanding character and it's so rich in um, you know, in in understanding human cluelessness in today's day and age or yeah. you know, universally it's it's brilliant and so to take every situation and to understand why does this make me and my 20 year old laugh so hard right and remember yeah. it there's um there, there's a lot of analysis and work uh, that can be done to understand that or um yes. you know when i when i uh, watch sex life of college girls which is one i think um one of the best written shows again uh you know in terms of um everything that that women of a certain age are dealing with today which is which is based on the same stuff we who are now in our 40s and 50s and 60s have dealt with but with so much more external complexity right and sure. how um how she's able to kind of go there and create these four women who are so unique and yet so every girl right it's um it's in terms of craft i think that's perfect um and um and again you know the uh, another thing another piece of hers that i absolutely love is um is Oh my gosh, late night, late well, yes, late, late night, night. The movie. yes, the, movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and, and same. I mean, I sobbed and laughed so yeah. much, and it was literally like I have never been in a newsroom, and yet that was a story about me, right? Yes. Um, and and from both uh, Emma Thompson and her perspective, and you know how we misunderstand relationships and how. Uh, you know how um, 
types and tropes in day-to-day life all of that it's just such deep human understanding and and the pain of trying to do something where you're new that new i think that's the other thing she appeals to me so much for is the the sense of being an outsider uh trying so hard to break in is so alive in her work and each one of us feels like an outsider at some point no matter how popular how well adjusted we are that sense of having your nose pressed up against a glass um you know window is is something we've all felt and it is really alive in her work that trying to break in you know trying to get in is um the, the let me in is loud in her work and i love it well and i can definitely say from reading the vibrant years is that so many of those themes are present right you talk about this idea of late night, right? Like she's trying to break into this writer's room yeah. and she's really trying yeah. and she's considered the diversity hire and everyone's kind of, she has to work just like way harder to kind of prove herself. And that's kind of what Alicia's going through, right? Ali is trying to make her way. She gets this great interview. She does this and still isn't going to get granted the right to do the interview. And it's like, what? Like what else can she do to get to where she needs to be, right? I mean, yeah, no, exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so real. Like I said, right? It's that whole, um, honey, you write a good book, and people will read it. You know, people uh, the 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 sheer privilege of believing that life is that simple or that fair is, um, you know, and being so absolutely blind to the fact that that is that's not available to everybody yeah. is, um, you know, is is very present in in her work, and I think that, um. It can't not be because it can't not be present in my work because it's so visible to me. And yet even I have so many blind spots. Right. Sure. Um, and, and I think we're living, especially in America today, um, in, you know, the most homogenous, I mean, the most heterogeneous life we've ever lived. Right. We are day to day coming in contact with people who are don't look exactly like us, don't pray exactly like us, don't love exactly like us. Right. And and yet it's the first time we're understanding that that doesn't make them different. Right. We're allowed to accept that because we are not trained as strongly as generations before us were trained to not even consider right to just block out that this because it was all fact oh these people are like that and those people are like that but uh, i just wanted to go back just with like touching on race in the sense of uh, how important you said it is for mindy kaling to tell her story and also i know you said the importance of this book and i know you said in past interviews that this is not a diverse book but i do feel like it's very important just because i feel like in the sense of America culture is really considered between whiteness and blackness. So I do see the idea of having like Indian American culture put on the forefront, even if it's not a diverse character group, but it brings a lot of new stories to like the American culture. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a one, we're one percent minority, right? That's a whole, um, that, that's a sliver. And, um, and, and there is very specific things, I think, with each minority, with each race, even the majority, there are very specific things to that experience, right? And all these years, we've been, um, we've been subjected to, or we've, you know, what's been allowed on the page and on the screen is the experience of one race, and we're supposed to neutrally accept it as the norm. And, and what I think is the best part about all the work over the past century that people um that artists and people um of color have done on whose shoulders we now stand 
um, is is so incredibly important because the thing I was just saying about you know about constantly being um, you know being in uh, in the vicinity of and uh, living with. Um, people who it is so easy to think of as different from us is the only way to realize that they are not right and yet to respect what is unique to that culture we've come from a place where uh, you know I don't see color was a good thing to a place where we're saying please see my color right please see my culture because until you see my culture you're going to silence me and um you know and make me invisible and i no longer want to be invisible and we live in a world where we are now you know dealing with everything that's visible and um and and it's and we have to find a way to stop being uncomfortable with that and and i think that until and stories are the best way to walk in someone's shoes right which is not to say which throws open the doors for you know all blackness is not the same all indianness is not the same all south asianness is not the same all whiteness is not the same right and um and that's the beauty of it and um and so long as we are and until we open our eyes and put those stories out there we are not going to you know um we're not it's not going to happen so so mindy kaling's um you know it, it indian representation is mindy kaling's indian representation and sonali dev's indian representation is sonali dev's indian representation because we're bringing our life experience in and even for me with um so so i'll i'll um i was saying it's been 10 years right and when my book came out yeah. i think um contemporary romance in print um was nearly non-existent um for south asians and um so it was a very interesting time to come up with comps you know all of that and um and from that moment to last year well i think it was 2020 not 2021 or last <laughs> year but basically one of the you know a recent yeah. fall season i um i did launch events with four um you know south asian in the same month in the month of october there were four south asian rom-coms in print on the shelves that came out and um they were completely different um you know just in 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 terms of tone in terms of content all of that right and so it was one of my favorite experiences of this entire journey was to be able to do that and to sit there and say here are these four stories now i read um, you know south asian stories i'm not always comfortable with how they're told um they're not always my story right but they are a story that teaches me something that i have to open my mind to right even if the way you're writing south asian culture offends my own feeling or sense of my own race I have to be okay reading that, right? Because it's somebody else's truth, and I think that um, that's that's I we have the first step has been taken, and we have so many more steps in just accepting our own culture in a different way than we have been, you know, than it's been presented to us, um, and and so much of that, and there is, you know, it's it's interesting to see how all of that is happening. 
definitely. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, I feel like it's funny you speak about the idea of having more opportunity because I feel like within the story, like, we have more opportunity just with the different generations. And I believe me and Mackenzie talked about, like, this idea of having more opportunity, but, like, how to use it. Oh boy! <laughs> we wanted to get really deep Sorry with you. Yes, no, I mean, we we read the book. We're fans. <laughs> I I'm so grateful, and, and absolutely that right. I think one of the main reasons for me to write a book about three generations was exactly that. Right, was movement through time for women and i am you know race and culture is one piece of it but um but i think my story essentially what i'm really um really interested in exploring for myself is um you know is the experience of being a woman and um and how over time how that has changed and this book came from the fact that I have a 21-year-old daughter and I see how she presents herself in the world, how she conducts relationships, how she, uh, you know, deals with attraction and uh, navigates relationships. And then my grandmother and how she did it and what was available to the two women does not belong in the same galaxy. I mean, it's universes apart, right? How far we have come. I, I, I mean, you know, and and not to kind of minimize anyone's experience but when when you think about my life and my grandmother's life and when you think about my husband's life and his grandfather's life yeah. there is a difference in the the number of miles traveled and the multiplying yeah. factor is really really high you know how what we are allowed to now feel about ourselves is completely different and it is not as easy as saying here are the choices you have available boom now it's easy it's it's not because you <laughs> carry generational memory right generational memory is a thing that can be very confusing and and you have these so now you have young women and girls who in my generation we needed to be told all the time oh you can be anyone you want to be but the fact that you were needing, to, my brother was never told that, yeah. like in the same context. And um, and it's sem simply said to us that you can't in some ways, right? There was a whisper inside a whisper. And, um, and today women are kind of seeing it and yet not seeing it. And their mothers are bringing all of their experience to raising them. And, and all of that is very complicated, right? Because yeah. the world has changed and yet... All the undertones of the world have not changed. And I think that for me, that was it. How Kali conducts herself and how Bindu conducts herself is um, there is so much there in that contrast, right? Yeah. And uh, it's not easy for either one of them. And yet Bindu and Ali have done all this work as have our mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers. So we could have this life. And yet they have added a great deal of complexity to our life, which we would not give up, but we still have to learn how to navigate, right? We're grateful for it, but it's a whole new learning. And because our mothers and grandmothers didn't have the same opportunities, we haven't been, it's not been given to us. We don't have the roadmap. We have to build our own roadmap now in this new world. And I think that all of that makes for great story and great exploration. And I think that that kind of, for me, was where this three-generational story came from. No, and I, I 
The thing I really liked about this book, too, is that there is this braveness to it, right? And then there's this secretiveness to it. So you have all of these women who are so outwardly confident and, like, you know, you're really inspired by them and their abilities. And they're very, you know, impressed with themselves, which is amazing, right? You want women to be confident. You want women to kind of have confidence in their abilities. But then they have this real vulnerability in the secrets that they hold, right? There's these, like, this little secrets that are kind of bothering them. But once they're kind of said out loud, these secrets lose their ability to keep that secret holder like ashamed. And I just wanted you to talk further about this because especially with Bindu's journey, I feel like she had so much shame over something that, you know, our generation wouldn't have found shame in, but it was so personal that her generation would find the shame and, and given the cultural context and things of where she was and in, in that time period. Yeah, and I think it is the essential part of the female journey to um to know what to expose and what not to expose i think in very um nuanced ways um we we're all taught what to show what not to show right um what to cover with makeup what not to cover with makeup like what is the and and when i look at my daughter and uh, myself there is uh you know the way we express our feminism is so different and um you know and and like other young women of her age she um you know is um so makeup if you take a simple thing that we you know my mom what makeup was to my mom what it was to me and what it is and by makeup i mean appearance right let's yeah. let's let's do a metaphor for all appearance through um through the act of uh, you know of putting something on your face to enhance your features or alter them or whatever right now in my um generation my mom never left the home without looking a certain way and one of the biggest fights that my mother and i had uh, and and my mom was incredibly progressive all of that right i am who i am because of her so i don't even you know putting that aside every time i left the home my mom was like put a little bit of lipstick on and i was like why you know um because the whole thing about i will not do xyz to look better for you was part of my feminism right yeah. and um you know i will not um she would say brush your hair um, brush your hair. Have you brushed your hair before? And, you know, I've never <laughs> brushed my hair before stepping out because I, again, it was like your, this is your way of making me pander. This is your, th these are my chains. You're trying to put me in the same chains as you that I have to look a certain way and I will not. I should be able to go out with my oily hair, you know, scrunched up at the top of my head in, um, you know, in my um, sweatpants. Yeah. And, I don't care if people think I'm hot or not. That's not where my value should come from, right? And and so when I was raising my daughter to have this whole generation that is in very different ways reclaiming their, um, you know, their sexuality and how they can, it, it's been, I never thought, you know, the things I was like, okay, we're done with this. Why do you need to look a certain way? So my feminism came up again against her feminism and her right to exist the way she wants to, right? Yeah. And and um and so this has not gone away between mothers and daughters. Um it has, you know, it has maybe it has eased because the world is less, yeah, it's less and I think it came from the cruelty of the world toward women, right? You wanted the reason my mom wanted me to look a certain way is because she didn't want the hurt that goes with not 
right and the reason that i want my daughter to do certain things is again because i want her to to shortcut that journey of confidence i want her to just be okay the way she is and to her it's not about the fact that she's not okay and that's a journey she has to make on her own but mothers are just trying to prevent hurt right um but at some point the part of the maternal journey like ali has in the book is to step back and say it is not my journey and and the allowing your daughter an independence to live exactly the way she wants to is 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 the true journey right instead of saying i got your freedom now live by that freedom yeah. you know it's um and and so that 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 generational thing i think was really important um between the three of them for me well i got your freedom it's now what do you want to do with that freedom right yeah. instead of like yeah. ex- instead yeah. of putting those expectations of like i got you this freedom yeah. i need you to do it in this way <laughs> you know and like, i need you to do it the way i wanted to do exactly. it yeah 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 which is ironic which is the yeah. opposite of what we want yes yeah, I feel like I have a very uh, unique uh, perspective <laughs> on this. <laughs> when she first was reading the book, she was like, I cannot wait for you to read this book and let me know what you think. <laughs> and I think my perspective might have changed over the last couple months just with having my own daughter uh, a couple months ago. But I feel like... Congratulations! Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> but I feel like my perspective has changed in the sense I feel like you showed the picture, of, the full picture of what it means to be a woman. And I know you talked about this in previous interviews, but just in this idea of you're a grandmother or you're over a certain age as a woman, so sexuality is done for you, or even this other part of life is done for you. And I feel like you just gave that full picture of, like, women are women, but also people and have desires and have, you know, passions and... Yeah, and I'm, you know, I just turned 50, and so, uh, you know, so, so it's it's a, it's kind of... A, a crossroads or a time of you know certain stuff shifting certainly certain biological <laughs> stuff um is shifting and um and and there is this you know there is this tiredness um which which you know is part of life and how does that translate right so so on one hand you could say that um that 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 sexuality is never goes away for women right and uh, we don't suddenly just because we've come or men but for, i mean i can speak to being a woman or or you know however um people identify themselves so i can authentically only speak to the experience of a woman as i have had it and um and we are supposed to i i don't know who said this but um but there's a quote that there is nothing more invisible than a middle-aged woman and um and every one of us who is a middle-aged woman has uh, felt that my mother uh, it was an unusually gorgeous woman you know somebody whose identity was tied very much to her looks my daughter is um very much like that i'm a woman sandwiched between two <laughs> extremely gorgeous women that's its own journey but, <laughs> but we won't go there but i do remember my mom uh, you know when i was um when i was kind of an older teenager or you know when i was kind of coming of age as they would say back then and my mom and i were driving back from somewhere and there was a bunch of you know boys walking down the street uh we were in mumbai and as we drove by my my mom looks at me and says and my mom and i are incredibly close and my mom has always been one of those people who speaks right she is um you know th- th- there was silence was not a part of our she's an over communicator let me just say <laughs> and you know so that comes with its own gifts but also it's interesting but i do remember her turning to me and saying 
wow, this is like the first time in my life that I have, uh, you know, that, that men have passed me by and their eyes were not on me. And so, so apparently these guys looked at me and not at her. And, and there was no, like, this was not a, it wasn't, this conversation didn't have to do with, with, with so much with jealousy, but that conversation had to do with, that was one of, for her, one of the first moments where she felt her own age, uh, aging process. Yeah. And that for her was such a moment of like this rite of passage of going from being at a certain phase in her life to another phase in her life. And and I still remember that, you know, that moment. And and I know that there's creepy undertones to that story and all of that, but <laughs> but but purely purely from a from a woman's uh, you know, from a perspective of identity. Every one of us, as we grow, we start to feel that, right? Even when I wrote Bindu, I, uh, you know, I had friends who are in their 60s um, who were very helpful in, uh, you know, in making sure that ageism didn't seep in through, even though I was so excited about writing, uh, you know, writing her. Um, so much, um, so much unexamined bias is in all of us that there were things that, you know, that, that cre- seeped out and all of that. And and that this is why the authenticity of someone's own voice is so important. And I had a friend who's in her sixties point out to me that uh, you know because I I had Bindu be someone that that everybody stops right when they see her everybody stops and I know women like that we all know women like that and um and there is this place where she says that m- now men of a certain age no longer stop when they look at me. But but older men still do. And that was the thing that came from this friend of mine saying that when you cross over a certain age, then there, then there is a difference in how all men look at you, right? When you're younger, men of every age look at you. And as you age, that's... And, you know, so, so the nuances of the little things that have, um, you know, so much to do with... Um, with and, you know, it's not commentary on anything. It's simply... Um, you know, putting out there how how we feel and and this piece that is there, and which is part of being the experience of being a whole woman, right? We um, so our own experience with our own sexuality changes over time; it doesn't go away. And 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 I think the thing was that this expectation that all women suddenly stop being X, Y, or Z after a certain age. Um, it, you know, is um, shouldn't be uh, cover all, and and women who don't feel that way, sh- the, the, you know, have through time been labeled even in other narratives about older women this far, you know, the the word oversexed or kind of you know as though it is something that needs to be made fun of, or there is uh you know there's this comic relief to an older woman who still feels sexual. That I think that we know enough now to know that that's offensive, and um, and I think so. That's kind of those were the things that I wanted to um, at least kind of poke at a little. Spoke at it big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there are so many themes in this this story, and one of them too that I really enjoyed was kind of saying that I feel like it should almost be a requirement for young women to read, mm-hmm. right? Like, and kind of gauging just different perspectives, especially generational perspectives and how things have changed and kind of appreciating that change a little bit. But one of the quotes that I loved from the book was words that told her to take a chance because mistakes weren't absolute, 
that one could reinvent oneself at any point in their life. And I loved that so much because I do think even when you're young and you make mistakes or you do things that, you know, you're like, oh, I wish I had like gotten this like, you know, opportunity or different things like that. Realizing that, you know, you can continue to reinvent yourself. You can continue to change and grow and that's okay. You don't have to let this mistake or this experience define you. And I just thought that was so universal. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Absolutely, right? Because I, again, um, anyone who says I have no regrets, I think it just means that you have done a really good job of, um, you know, of, of processing your regrets. But um, it's nobody. I cannot imagine a human who gets everything right as they go along I mean what a terribly boring and empty life that would be right because it can only mean you had no expectations of yourself um you know or the world if everything goes exactly how you wanted it right which is not the same as I'm a person who's very happy with everything that happens in my life that's different you know and and so regret is um is, is a very real part and especially again what we're saying when we when you're talking about the transformation of life for women over time. Um, obviously, right, you have grandmothers, you have my mom watching my daughter. Like if my, and another, uh, you know, like when you have these lines or these seeds as a storyteller in your head before you start writing, one of the things was me thinking if my mom had the opportunities my daughter and I have, what could she have done with it, right? And so yeah. how yeah. can it be even though she is an intrinsically very happy person and she did the best uh, that she could with her life and all the things, uh, you know, that she has, um, that she has made peace with, if she had those opportunities, what could she have done? And how can you be alive and seeing what is now available, not feel? How can, I mean, I use the word FOMO, like F-O-H-M-O in this book, right? Which is fear of having missed out. And how, um, that's a, that's very real. It's not even just a fear. They missed out, right? And um, and um, because the world was different. I mean, we all miss out because nobody can do everything. But the fact that something, um, you know, you would have loved to do, you couldn't do, right? Whether, um, you know, my mom w- would have loved to be an actor and uh my you know and she was part of like she acted in college and stuff and my grandfather said out of the question women from families like ours don't do that sort of thing you know and it was out of the question like you she you know my daughter will not be a fallen woman and and there boom in that one line her entire you know one whole piece of wanting yearning um art was gone you know just done and um and and so how can you not examine how can you not go back and say oh i could but today if my mom were a different person um today she can she has no excuse today to say that i didn't make I, I, she can make an audition tape today and send it out you know what i mean like it is you can you can do that now it comes with all the most most people would choose not to deal with the heartbreak of rejection and starting a new career at that point because you have found other ways to be happy but but absolutely uh, you know if if there is a it, and that i think is my thing to um 
that it's never too late right in the in that yeah. sense it's never too late to reinvent yourself and uh, and if it means you know it doesn't mean being on netflix alone if you could find another way you know to um to do that and to get um you know you could you could coach a, a player what whatever right i mean my point yeah. is that 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 um that that regret is very much part of aging but um but the sense of it no longer being available even if we can kind of you know switch that thinking a little bit um that would be um you know that that's that's something to think about no i love that yeah i was just going to say when you were saying like uh, missing out in the sense of <clears throat> being an older generation i do have a lot of appreciation for these older generations just in the idea of fighting for something that you might not be able to see the fruits of. Yes. You know? Absolutely. And the generosity that takes, right? That I, I, I want it for my, you know, for coming generations. And, um, and, and then to deal with the fact that they now have it, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there is that, right? And, and what we were just saying, uh, what Mackenzie and I were just saying is that, you, hello, I worked so hard. Why are you messing this up? <laughs> no i mean i think and i think bindu is a really good character for that because she really gets into the the meat of that right you know acknowledging the things that she wished she had been able to do and then you know i don't want to give the spoiler of the end (laughs) but finding a way to go back to it in a meaningful way i think is really special because you don't always get the opportunity to go back and do something that you wish you had done and i think that was really special Yes. And I think for me, um, you know, getting that in terms of when I was telling the story, getting to that piece, because here you have someone who believes she is, she's always done the best she can. Right. And so she has that satisfaction. She does genuinely believe that she lives her best life, you know, and, and all of that. And yet when it comes to it, when it comes to the really hard things, she can't, right? That's a journey she has to make. She is, for all her talk, for all her talk, like there's so much in which we all believe, my God, I'm so open-minded and look at me, I'm so cool and I'm so woke and, and you know, and one one thing will come up, you know, where, uh, where you're like, yeah, no, there's still a ways to travel. I have not, yeah. uh, I'm not there and it's not easy. And either I'm going to hide, um, you know, and she hides. And, and then there's that whole, you know, hard trek she has to make toward not hiding anymore. I just think that you need to make one of those quote of the day things with all of the knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> like, even you could even just use this book. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, like, I like, like I said, I highlighted so much of the book because there were just these little pieces of things that I were like, I want to remember that. I want to remember that in the future. And I think these are really powerful pieces, even like something as little as this moment that um, Allie realizes with her daughter who like has some mental health issues and things that she's working through and that she's gotten into a comfortable place with. And when she finally has this conversation with Allie, she explains that when she tried to fix Cully, she like she was only making her feel more broken and I was just Ooh. like, <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I love that quote specifically. I think because it comes from my real life. Um, a lot of us, you know, are uh, are dealing overtly because now, thank you know, um, thank heavens that um, mental health and talking about it isn't um, you know 
taboo the way it used to be when we were growing up. Um, and so therefore we find ourselves um, in situations where now we have to deal with it because, you know, um, because we have finally uh, grown enough to, you know, to, to accept it being out in the open. And, um, and so it, it's, a, it's a journey because, again, this is a transitional um, generational thing where um, because it wasn't so visible or because people didn't talk, talk about it in our generation, we thought this is suddenly you know and and i i don't know what the what the scientific facts are and whether whether mental illness has actually increased but certainly our um you know our exposure to it um in terms of diagnosis is high and so um so so that's very much from my own life again as someone who believes herself to be open-minded to be an advocate for uh, you know people getting help um, and all of that I still every day have to uh, temper my words understand what I'm saying and what that means when I say it to my child and um, and and at the same time not not be the kind of parent who says you know that you may not be wrong in something you're understanding about yourself so to be a real parent and bring real wisdom to it while not negating the pieces that I don't understand right and so to me Ali's journey in in those terms was very very personal and um and and so so I think some of that is um is is my truth for sure well, and you think you're you think you're helping, and you're trying to help, and you're helping in the ba- best way you know how. And sometimes it can be perceived in a very different way because you can't control how someone else perceives information. Absolutely. And the funny thing here is when my kids were growing up, and I was, you know, and I'd say, "Mama, let me help." And when I say growing up, and they were really little, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would, I would, I would uh, use this line on them. I would say, "You know, there's a di- there's help and there's hindrance. You're hindering <laughs> me right now." <laughs> and they were really little, and now, uh, you know, and now they they kind of bring that back to me. And they say, Mom, there is help and there's hindrance, and you're hindering me right now. <laughs> it's really good. Sorry, I keep stealing questions. You go, go. Ask <laughs> yeah, a question. I do anything. Uh, do you want to answer the fun, or do you want to have any more serious? I'll ask. I'll this? say one more serious thing, and then we'll <laughs> get into more of our like quicker fun questions <laughs> for you. But I just wanted to talk about really quick because we are really big proponents on giving back and being a part of our community and raising awareness. And there was just this little thing that I thought was really special that you brought up and just talking about the idea of um, cholangiocarcinoma, which is a bile duct cancer. Not many people are aware of it. And it's something that's really rare over here in the States, but very like pretty common overseas. And so I just wanted to thank you in general for talking about this. And even if it's like in a small way and a small mention, I think it'll definitely bring more awareness to people about it. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there and say thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I have one of my dearest friends um, passed from it um, more than 10 years ago now. And, um, yeah, and it is, it's because it is such a hard, um, diagnosis because it's so dug deep, um, that generally by the time it's, um, diagnosed, it's very, very hard to treat. And so, yeah. No, so I just, I really did. I wanted to thank you for that because I think it's any awareness that can be brought to it, you know, could help anybody, right? It could help save a life. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I heard you mention sex lives with college girls a couple of times. 
Where would you place yourself with what roommate from the show? Okay. Do you feel like the most related to? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's, you know, I mean, generationally, I'm trying to think, um, it's almost, I know for a fact that I'm not Bella. <laughs> I'm absolutely not, uh, which would be, um, you know, the cultural choice. I'm trying to think, I think um, I would be a mix between, um, I would be a mix between, and I'm going to completely uh, forget their names. Um, the the oh my gosh, the small town girl, um, Kimberly. Kimberly. So Kimberly, and um, and the senator's daughter, Whitney. Whitney. <laughs> Whitney. That's so, a good mix. That's, that's a good that's mix. A, I'm a mix between those two because I, um, you know, I uh, the. The, the lack of privilege that uh, Kimberly has, um, you know, I was blessed not to have that. And, um, but so many ways in which she feels is, you know, feels very relatable to the kind of uh, young person I was. Uh, very, very naive and <laughs> starry-eyed about, about several things. And, um, and I think um, also how, how diligent and, uh, you know, how cynical and aware um, that, you um, you know that uh, Whitney, no, Whitney is. Um, I, you know, I, I totally relate to that. So those would be my two most. Um, One of the last two things we wanted to mention was the next book that's coming up. Um, we've heard a little bit about it. I believe that it's called um, Lies and Other Love Languages. What can you tell us a little bit about it? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's. Um, I think it's. Uh, it it is. Um, Tonally different from the vibrant years, um, of course, but it is the story of uh, of, of female friendship um, that uh, you know that I think uh, that our true soulmates are our friends, yes. and um, and and uh, es estrangement from a friend is a very deeply painful thing that um, that we don't really have uh, you know as much of an outlet to discuss and talk about um, as we do when romantic relationships break up. But it is about a friendship breakup between two friends who were uh, each other's uh, soulmates um, from the time that they were 12, uh, you know, up until the time that they were in their 30s. But uh, their friendship breaks up over over a surrogacy arrangement. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of um, infertility struggles in there, but um, but the the surrogacy arrangement goes wrong. And after the child is born, the friends um, are estranged for 27 years. And then, uh, yeah. And then when the child is 27, a, a DNA, uh, you know, an accidental DNA test uh, kind of, brings out this uh this thing that brings everyone back together and um and yeah it's, uh, it's 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 heartbreaking and it's been uh you know um just such a joy to write um and then i just want to also let everyone know one of the best places i feel like to find you not only is through instagram but through your newsletter which i'm super excited about i saw it in one of your other interviews i'm like i have to follow this immediately when i found out that there is a recipe recommendation and a really bad joke i'm all about bad jokes <laughs> yes there's one coming this week so yeah I'm behind yes i get plenty of really bad jokes on my family group chat so you know why not spread the love I love it. Well, we can't we can't thank you enough. I yeah, mean, this no. was so much fun. 
Thank you so much for doing this. This was such a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And just know that your book is being able to curate these incredible conversations that need to be had and opening the door for people to kind of have these conversations, I think. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed this interview. Thanks again for coming back and listening to us this week. And next week we will have a new episode for you guys. Do, 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 do.